Give Jesus some praise this morning. Come on. Uh, I think he's been better than that. Come on, you can do better. Come on. You know, it's funny. As I said that, I was like, how many weeks in a row do I say? I say that every single week. Like, it doesn't matter how good the first applause is. I always say, come on, you can do better, right? So uh, the whole point is just to give Jesus all the praise and make sure that it's all about All about him because he really is worthy of it all, isn't he? Um, I hope you had a really good week. Uh, I missed you this week. Uh, and uh, just to welcome you, my name is Adam Harold, and my adorable wife, Tanya, and I have the privilege. It's going to be funny every time now. So a couple of weeks ago, like as in a m- two months ago, um, my wife spoke and she talked about the adjectives that I use to describe her. And so now every time I use an adjective, I pause after the adjective to make sure that she heard today she's adorable. Um, next week, next service, she might be something else. Uh, you'll just have to come and find out. Um, but we just want to welcome you here. If you've never been here before, uh, again, my name's Adam. My wife's name's Tanya. We have the privilege of leading this church. If you fill that card out in front of you, I just want to send you a card in the mail to say thank you for being here because everyone loves to get good mail. There's bad mail, there's good mail. And if you don't know what bad mail is, well, wait till you graduate high school, then you'll know. Um, you'll <laughs> so uh, we just love good mail, and so we want to send you some good mail to say thank you so much for being here. Um, this last week, I met with our, our leaders, and uh, can you believe that we are just two weeks away from going to three services. Um, If you look around, this service is full. The next service will be full. And it's like, if we're going to grow anymore, we're going to have to create more room for new faces. And so the way we do that um, in the church world is we create another opportunity or another option. And so I was talking to someone this week, and I texted them, and I said, hey, man, I I really miss you. and, And... I'll do that every once in a while if you become a part of our church and I notice that you're not here and I'll just say, hey man, I I miss you. And he was like, hey, yeah, with three services coming up, um, we'll have more opportunity to come to church. And I'm like, all right, well, we'll see, right? Um, And so um, we just want to create opportunity for people. And, um, And with opportunity, comes responsibility, right? And so um, how many of you parents in the house know that kids are a lot of work? Anybody? Yeah, kids are a lot of work. Like, I was looking at our announcements, and I was like, holy smokes, like, we're, we're getting ready to do a, a hero um, theme Halloween, uh, because we like to use what Satan intends for for bad, for, for good, and so we're going to welcome uh, kids into our, listen, last year we did this event, and it was the most amount of people that we've had in our building uh, in the last two years of being in here, and um, so there'll be kids from all over, but one of the things that we need is we need stations or, um, or different, um, what, what's the word, like, like, so we're calling it Heroes of Refuge City, and so we just need different booths set up and so I don't know if you noticed Shrek in the hall in the in the common area. I think that's what she's trying to be. Um, is it Shrek? No, it's not Shrek. What is it? Oh, uh, she's oh she's she's Hulk. So, um, uh, girl Hulk. Okay, yeah, I can't say that, but um, 
so she is wanting people to sign up. Anna is, is getting people to sign up for our, our booths. And so if you're interested in passing out candy, um, we're, we're collecting candy so that you can, you can hand it out. And so there's no, um, no cost to you. Um, anywhere we just want we, we want it to be a, a great fun event and then the other thing is is when we start three three services in just two weeks um, I was asking our leaders this last week um, uh, I just got a um, got a, a, a text message she hulk okay so I, I get it guys I get it that's what she's trying to be all right all right man I'm never gonna live that one down so I was talking to our leaders about, about our kids' ministry and, um, and the need that we have there. And so if, you're, if you love kids, uh, or if you just like kids a little bit, we don't even ask you to love them, um, then uh, you, can, you can talk to Nellie LeVere after service, and, or you can stop by Next Steps or guest services. And uh, there's a security protocol uh, that we ask everyone to go through that, um, to make sure that our kids are safe. We want, your kids are safe here. I want you to know that. And so, um, but if you're interested in, in helping out with, with kids, we, listen, with opportunity comes responsibility. And, um, and so there's a lot of responsibility that, that we have here. All right, I'm ready to preach. Uh, today we're in Matthew chapter 19, um, looking at the rich young ruler still. Um, we've got one more week of this series, and, um, and then we're going on to um, a, a series that I'm super, super excited about. Um, but today we're in week three of our study on the rich young ruler. Uh, week one, we looked at the question that the rich young ruler asked Jesus. He asked him, he asked him a very good question. It's a question that everyone in, in life has to ask. At some point, they have to ask, what must I do to get to heaven? What must I do to have eternal life? Only the rich young ruler asked it like this. He said, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? You see, he thought that he could earn his way to heaven. He thought that he had to do something good in order to get it. And oftentimes we think, especially when we're driven by success, we think that we can do something to earn something. And that's not how God works. This whole story is about that. You cannot earn your way to heaven. And that is the best news I have for you today. Because if it were up to you, we'll see today that it's impossible to happen. And so week one, we talked about the question. Week two, last week, we talked about, um, we, we said that the standard uh, that we get to choose is either the law, the commandments, or Jesus. And when we, when we choose the law as our standard, we'll never live up to the law. We'll never live up to it. Like, and and I, I made the joke that I'll never live up to the law because I like to lie. That was a joke. <laughs> Usually you laugh after somebody tells a joke. Unless it's a bad joke. All right, I'll try to get better. We can never live up to the law because it's impossible. But when Jesus is the standard, what Jesus does is he comes, he lives a perfect, he lived a perfect life so that he could come into our lives and make us perfect in God's eyes. 
But if it's up to the law, we'll never live up to it. And so we get to choose our standard. Today, we're, um, we're wrapping up Matthew 19, and we're talking about the lesson that, that Jesus uses to teach, or the, the, how he uses the conversation to teach his disciples a lesson in, out of all of this. But before we look at Matthew chapter 19 this morning, I want to ask the Father to join in our conversation, and then we'll do a quick review of Matthew 19, and we'll get to verse 23 in just a minute. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Um, God, I, I need you today. Lord, the fact is, is that you don't need me. But Lord, I need you every day, every hour. I need you. Lord, I need you. And so God, I ask that you would speak to me today, that I would hear your voice, and that the words out of my mouth would proceed in my heart, that it would come from within, that people would understand your word today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I want to do a really quick review. And um, at the beginning of, of Matthew 19, it says an unnamed man, right? It never, it never says his name. And one of the things that I always say is anytime in Scripture that someone is unnamed, it gives us the opportunity to put our name in there, right? And so I am the rich young ruler. And so um, an unnamed rich man right? He's wealthy. We, we see by the end of the story that he's wealthy. He's rich. He's got a lot of money and a lot of success. A lot of people like this man. He comes to Jesus, and he asks him the question, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Jesus' answer, we looked at last Sunday, and what he tells him appears to be a little bit of a contradiction with the gospel, because what he says to him is, Obey my commandments. Obey the commandments. And so the, the rich man responds, and he says, well, which ones? And Jesus then goes on to list six different commandments, one of which was a commandment in the New Testament, the last one that he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we know that the gospel is by grace through faith. We talked about Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 last Sunday, that um, that we're saved by grace through faith in him so that no one can boast about it, right? And so why is Jesus using the example of the law? And I think my overall big idea for the entire series, for this whole series, is this one thing. God is always after your heart. And so... Jesus goes on to say the commandments because he knew what was in this man's heart. Can I say that God is God, the creator of the heart? And because God is the creator of the heart, guess what he knows? The heart. Not just, you know, the, um, the, the vows of the heart. Not just the the intricacies of the actual physical heart. He knows each individual's person's heart that makes up that person. You cannot hide from God. You can't. You can try. 
but he always knows your heart. Some of you are still trying, but you're, but you're here, right? Some of you have tried, and you're, you're here. I, I want you to know the good news this morning. You cannot hide from God. And um, I think the overall theme of this whole series is that God just wants your heart. He just wants to get after it. He wants to go. He wants, he's pursuing your heart. That's why he says, if you look for me with your whole heart, you will find me. But it has to be your whole heart, not half of it. You can't hide any part of your heart in order to, to discover him. Jesus goes right for the man's heart by talking about what it was that was preventing him from giving him his whole heart. The man, of course, answers Jesus. He goes, well, I've done this. Uh, it's a good thing I'm not God, right? Because I would have pointed out and said, yeah, okay, buddy, right? Yeah, right. But Jesus doesn't do that because Jesus doesn't play games. Instead, Jesus says, all right, if you want to be perfect, go and do this one more thing. Sell everything you own and give it to the poor. And the Bible says that the man left sad, for he was very wealthy. And from that point on in the story, that, that, that's the rich young ruler's story ends. But Jesus, like any good leader, carries on the conversation with the people that were following him. Right? And so, so obviously this man didn't understand the truth that God was trying to tell him, what, what Jesus was trying to share, share with him. However, he goes on to explain the truth to the followers that were closest to him. And so that's where we pick up the story today in verse 23. You can follow along with, with me in Matthew chapter 19 or in the YouVersion Bible app. We've got all of today's notes. You can follow along with us there. Matthew 19, 23 says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it is easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then in the world, then who in the world can be saved? The disciples asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Did we just sing a song called God is More Than Able this morning? I wonder, I wonder what, what message God has for us today. Keep reading, verse 27. Then Peter said to him, We've given up everything to follow. It's always Peter, right? If you're, if you're a Christian, you've re read your Bible, you know it's always Peter. He's always getting in the way. He's the one that uh, reached into, got his sword out to cut the Roman soldier's ear off when Jesus was arrested. All right. Then Peter said to him, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? Jesus replied, I assure to you uh, that when the world is made new, the Son of Man sits upon the glorious throne you who have been my followers will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. 
And everyone who has given up houses and brothers and sisters and father and mother and children and property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. This is where Jesus, like any great leader, goes to the ones that are closest to him to communicate the, the, the truth of what he's trying to say. So what is Jesus trying to say? I want to sum up the whole thing that I believe that God is trying to tell us today, and it's this one thing, the big idea for today. When it comes to spiritual matters, spiritual matters, God does the impossible, not us. When it comes to the spiritual matter of your heart, God does the impossible, not us. Now, I don't know how that hits you this morning. I don't know where that, like, but, but God does, right? And so for some of you, it's, it's your heart that God's working on. And you're going, wow, like, this is why some of these things have happened that, that that makes sense because only God could do that. Hopefully in your life you're, you, you have moments that you say only God could do that. The only reason why it's happening is because God does the impossible work of the heart. For some of you that are Christians that have been praying for someone to receive Jesus, that is just, they just seem cold and, like, and you're like, they are impossible. I got good news for you. You don't do the work. How many times in life do I say, I got this. I can do this. I got it. I can do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I can do it. I got this. When it comes to spiritual matters, I don't have this. I, I don't. I cannot do it. Because I'm not supposed to. I'm not supposed to. God is the only one that has it when it comes to spiritual matters. Faith has nothing to do with you and your power. Has everything to do with God and his power. Faith is letting go. Faith doesn't exist with worry. It doesn't. Are you guys with me this morning? I know this is the 9 o'clock, but I'm going to ask you to bring it up to the 11 o'clock level. Are you with me? Faith has nothing to do with us. We have to let go. I, I get frustrated with believers that say, I just need more faith. No, you don't. All you need is the size of a mustard seed, Jesus said. That's how much faith you need. You just need to let go. That'll preach. Right? So let's look at what Jesus is saying to his disciples in this conversation. The first thing that Jesus says to his disciples is that it is difficult for a rich man to enter heaven. And the reason that I believe he's saying it's difficult for a rich man to, to enter heaven is because of the way we view rich people. We see them as successful. But Remember, God does the impossible, not man. 
So the first thing that he says to them is that it's difficult for a rich man to get to heaven. And then Jesus uses this very strange analogy. It's strange for us, especially in the Western context of today, because we're not riding camels anymore, right? But, but the analogy that he uses is a camel entering the eye of a needle. Now, I almost brought up a needle up here for, for you to see the eye of the needle, but then I, I was like, I don't want to poke myself. I don't want to be bloody by the end of my message. And you couldn't see it, right? I could hold up this needle and it'd be really tiny, but that's the point. The whole point was that a, it, was for, it was impossible. It's impossible for a camel to enter into the eye of a needle. So this is a weird analogy. And there are different theories as to what Jesus meant by this. There's three specific theories that I want to share with you this morning. Theory number one is that the original word in, in Aramaic... Um, that, was, that was then translated to Greek, right? So the original Aramaic word for, for camel and rope are very similar. And so many, some people believe that Jesus was, wasn't actually saying a camel, but he was actually saying a rope, and that it's a misinterpretation of the Aramaic. And, and, but now every English translation uses the word camel. And so that's one theory. The second theory is that back in the day in, in Jerusalem, there was actually a gate that was called Needle Gate. And so um, it was called Needle Gate. And so, um, but, but the, the problem with that is archaeologists have no evidence to say that, that there ever was a Needle Gate found. And so, but, but what that would mean if the Needle Gate was, was the case, then a camel could go through a needle gate, but it was tiny, and they would have to strip the camel off of everything in order for it to get through. So what's amazing about that theory is it, and, and, and even the rope theory, is they still both kind of make sense. They both work, kind of. But the third theory is that Jesus is using in a hyperbole here. A hyperbole is an exaggeration to, to make a point, which Jesus often did. He often used hyperbole. And the whole point is that it's impossible for a rich person to enter into heaven. Now, is it possible? Will there, will there be rich people in heaven? Yes, absolutely. So what is, what is the point? And I believe what God is trying to say here has a lot to do with the culture of the day. In order to understand what Jesus is trying to say here, we have to understand how Jews, specifically even his disciples that he's communicating to, you have to understand what they would have believed back in the day. What many Jews believed back in the day was that the wealthier a person was, the more spiritual the person was. And they would always equate wealth and spirituality. What Jesus is telling his disciples here is that you cannot see someone's spiritual destination. You can't see it. That's impossible. Only God sees the heart. You can't look at someone and say, that person's going to heaven. You can't look at someone and say, that person's going to hell. You cannot see it physically. 
He's saying success and spirituality don't go together. They would think the wealthier someone was, the more spiritual someone was. We, we, we play this game today. Pastors play this game by saying, oh, that's a big church. It must be healthy. Right? Oh, that's a big church. Their pastor must be, like, amazing. We also play this game um, when it comes to wealth. Uh, I'll tell a story that um, I have to be really careful in, in the way I tell it, but I'm, I'm going to tell it anyway. And, and when we first started, we had these parties called interest parties, and uh, we would meet at Pat's Pizza. And um, this is a, it's a really cool story for me because it goes back to um, probably seven years from now um, or seven years ago uh, when we were starting the church. And we would have these parties, and we'd, we'd buy pizza for everyone in order for them to hear the, the, um, the vision of our church. Um, anybody go to any of our interest parties? Okay, we have a few, which, is, which I absolutely love that this is what, where God has taken us, right? I love the fact that there's not many people that were a part of us then. And so um, we were at these parties, and there was this family that came to our, one of our interest parties. And one of the other families that were already a part of us um, Looks at, looks at me and goes, if they join your team, your church will not want for anything. And we think that the wealthier someone is, they must give more money to the church. I'm just going to teach what Jesus taught. I'm not going to tell you the conclusion of that story, right? But what Jesus taught was that the wealthier someone was didn't display how spiritual they were. Wealth and spirituality don't go together. Success and spirituality don't go together. You cannot see someone's success and see their eternity. You cannot see it. They don't go together. If, you're, if, if I had points today, the first point that Jesus is trying to make here is that spiritual destinations are not displayed physically. Spiritual definitions, de- destinations are not displayed physically. Physically, the second thing that I want to point out to you that I think Jesus is saying here is man's work cannot save you. God's work can save you. Hallelujah. I, I should have had a better amen there. God, man's work cannot save you. Only God's work can. Your mama's prayers aren't getting you to heaven. Only you determine your destiny, eternal destiny. Only you. Man's work cannot save you. Only God's work can. And so I didn't really see this until I read it in a different translation. So the translation that we read this morning is the New Living Translation. And the way it said is Jesus responded to his disciples when they asked him who can be saved. He responds by saying, saying in the translation we read, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Then I read it in a different translation known as the English Standard Version, which is a little closer to the original language. And what it says there is when the, the disciples say who can be saved, verse 26, but Jesus looked at them and said, with man, 
it is impossible. Not humanly, but with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I don't know why I had to read it in the English Standard to, under, to see it and understand it. But what, I'm, what, it, what it's telling me is that man's work cannot save you. Only God's work can. Man's work, it's impossible. With God's work, all things are possible. This brings me to the number three. The, the third thing that I see is, um, is after, so, so what happens is Peter hears this. With, with God, with man is impossible, with, with God all things are possible. And, and keep in mind, Peter has heard the conversation with, uh, with the rich young ruler. And, he's, and he hears Jesus say to him, sell everything and give, give everything to the poor. And then Peter goes, he goes, we've given up everything to follow you. What do we get? <laughs> like, are you going to pat me on the back, Jesus? Are you going to, are you, like, like, tell me, please. Because we gave everything to follow you. And it brings me to number three. Peter's question brings me to number three. You see, what Peter is doing is he's looking for a contract with God. He wants a guarantee. He wants to know that you gave up everything. All right, here's a list. Number three that Jesus is teaching is if you're looking for a contract with God, you'll be disappointed. If you're looking for a contract, for a guarantee, you'll be disappointed. The only guarantee God gives us is through his son Jesus when we put our faith in him. That's it. God doesn't do contracts. And so... Jesus goes on in verse 28 and 29. I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man is upon the glorious throne, you who have, fo- who have been my followers also will sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses and brothers and sisters and father and mother and children and property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. Now, many scholars believe that the first part of what Jesus is saying to his disciples has to do with the, with, with the 12, the followers of Jesus, the disciples, because he mentions the 12 tribes of Israel, and that's the whole reason why he chose 12 people to follow him. But he goes on and he says, everyone who has given up houses and brothers and sisters and fathers and mother and children and property for my sake will receive a hundred times. What is Jesus saying there? Here's what I think Jesus is saying. In the kingdom of God, there is no losses. There are no losses in the kingdom of heaven. None. Think about it this way. When you give up a house to follow Jesus, you gain a mansion. 
when you lose a family because you place your faith in Jesus, which I don't necessarily think, I hope it doesn't happen in America, but there are places all around the world that people give up family to follow Jesus. When that happens, you gain a spiritual family of brothers and sisters all around the world in the millions. When you lose, or when you lose your father and your mother because of your faith in Jesus, which actually happens all across the world, you gain a heavenly father in heaven that will never leave you or forsake you. Perfect heavenly father that loves you so much. There are no L's in the kingdom of heaven. There are no losses. When you lose your life to follow Jesus, you gain eternal life. That's the contract. There are only wins in the kingdom of heaven because death is defeated by the blood of Jesus. That work is impossible for man. But with God, all things are possible. Then Jesus concludes this story. You can come on out. In verse 30, but many who are the greatest now will be the least important then, and those who seem the, the, to be the least important now will be the greatest then. And then he goes on to tell us a parable in chapter 20 that explains what it means to be the least and the greatest and the greatest and the least. And that's what we'll talk about next Sunday. Stand at your feet. I want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. What impossible work is God wanting to do in your heart today? The impossible. The only thing that stops the impossible in my life is the guy I see in the mirror. Me. For some of you, your mama has been praying her entire life to receive Jesus. Her prayers don't save you. Her prayers only prepare your heart. For some of you, it will be for this moment. For others, it will be for another. What's the impossible work that God is doing in, in your life? For some of you, it might be healing, physical healing. For some of you, it may be turning that barren womb into a fertile womb. For some of you, it may be a financial need. What's the impossible that God wants to do in you today? Because he's the only one that can do it. You don't need more faith. You just need the size of a mustard seed. But it can't be in you. The faith can't be in you. You see, I think the story of the rich young ruler is pointing out that faith cannot be in man. And we choose to put faith in people that look to be successful. Faith can only be in God. 
And God has done all he needs to do to rescue you. If you need to receive Jesus this morning, I want to invite you to say a prayer with me. I'm going to in just a moment. We're going to open up doors on my right, on your left. If you want to know what the next step for you is, if you want somebody to pray about the impossible in your life, just go through those doors. We, want to, we have someone there that wants to help you with your next step. This prayer that I'm about to lead you in is the scariest prayer of all time. The reason it's scary is because I believe that this prayer has sent many people to hell. The reason I believe that is because if you say it and you only say it and you don't believe it, you don't live it, it doesn't do anything. But if you believe and if you put your belief into action by trusting in God, that's when God does the impossible. Say, God, if you need Jesus this morning, just say, God, I need you. Come into my life by the power of the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for my sins that separated me from my Father. Come into my life and give me a new identity. Make me new because God you're worthy of my life. I lay it all down because I know anything short of all is not enough. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, I thank you that you continue to do the impossible. And Father, I pray that when today ends, that we will walk out of this place saying that we saw the impossible become possible only because of Jesus. Father, you're worthy. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We're going to sing a song, and then you're going to go have the best week of your life. I love y'all.